Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the latest episode of Blaster Cannon via Den of Geek. I am one of your hosts, Paul Herman. I am here with Megan Krause. Hello. And the wonderful Seth. Hello. Happy belated birthday, Seth. Thank you. Yes, happy birthday too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> birthday the American second. Version. Yeah. David Bowie changes the birth date. He was born in England, obviously, on January 9th, but he had his birth certificate changed to the American time so he can be born the same day as Elvis Presley. January oh, my 8th, God. Which is also the same day as me. So that's why I know oh, this. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, yes, it's very lovely. So anyway, happy birthday, Sav. Thank you. Do you Star Warsy for your birthday? No, but that might just be because it's a lockdown, so I might get something after. Thanks for bringing up the lockdown. Yes, and everyone, I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping everyone is is safe and in this whole uh, craziness of the of the entire world, obviously. And uh, the the lovely lady has got the brunt of my grumpiness of being uh, being locked in and 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 just amid amidst of all this stuff. And I'm just been it's been hard. So I'm not gonna lie, it's been hard on me. But uh, I'm excited because I think Star Wars is gonna help me make me feel better. So, so yeah, you're you're out there fighting, which is I think really admirable. Yeah. And I have been wondering whether you guys feel any different about how you like engage with Star Wars now. Are you finding that you are more or less into fanish things, or is it just exactly the same? For me, I think it's pretty much the same. Like I've had kind of a bit of a creative block. I'm not really creating a lot, but I'm I'm re-consuming a lot of things, both Star Wars and otherwise, but that's what I usually do in the winter, just, like, when it's cold. So, really, not not much has changed about how, like, what my relationship to Star Wars is. Have you experienced anything connected to that? I think it comes and goes, depending on the day. Like, some days I will just kind of get really into Star Wars again, tweeting about it or, like, thinking about it. Um, (laughs) Like, I binged the Clone Wars that I was caught out like not caught up on um the other day and that was nice and I was like oh I love Star Wars uh, but some days I'm just like focusing on other stuff anyways I've been a lot more creative than usual which has been nice that's awesome right on when I love something like like Star Wars or Marvel or you know I mean football I'm a big football fan American football <laughs> and uh I, I don't really it, my my love and, and passion for those things kind of they, they don't ever go away but sometimes one might overtake the other for a short period of time, but I always come back to it. And that's kind of been my way since I was a kid for all kinds of things that I, I love. And I, um, for Star Wars specifically, though, um, yeah, it's it's always the same. But yeah, right now, because of uh, all the latest uh, 
things that have come out for Star Wars, I've kind of it's really kind of ramped up, I think, because uh, I'm stuck at home. And in the first bit of news, we've got a The Rise of Skywalker is out uh, digitally and physically and. So yeah, I have got lots of uh, there's been lots of uh, Star Warsness going on in my uh, FT studios here because of uh, all the new latest releases. But the Rise of Skywalker is out digitally. Uh, have you guys picked this up at all? Phys- uh, physical copy, digital copy, anything? Not yet. Okay. I keep meaning to and then forgetting because something else happens. Right, right. Megan? My digital media library is definitely a victim of streaming services. I watched mm. a lot of things on Disney Plus. I haven't like brought a DVD out in a long, long time. So I think yeah. that combined with just um, my budget right now means that my buying any any like media on disc has pretty much halted completely. So mm. Tross <laughs> is simply not an exception. Yeah, I I am a uh, big I'm a big uh, collector. I, I have my Canon shelf, which I'm going to set up this weekend. I've got uh, a number of things I need to add to it. Uh, obviously, the Rise of Skywalker is a, the big reason. I I basically only update my shelf once I get like a big release out, like a book or or multiple books or whatever. But like I uh, over the months, I'll collect like you know some Star Wars adventure comics and some Marvel comics and some child you know children's books that are you know canon stories. And I kind of wait for a big release to kind of put it all out there to kind of you know you know whatever. And I'm gonna reconfigure my whole shelf a little bit and looking forward to that. But yeah, uh, I'm really excited about. Uh, I I love collecting stuff. I, I even bought the Rise of Skywalker digitally when it first came out and. Just because I couldn't wait, I just was really excited, and uh, yeah, and I, I got the digital uh, or I got the physical physical copy the other day, and I was able to actually watch both. I was able to watch it physically uh, on disc, and I can tell you right now, if you're a UHD uh, 4K person like myself, and you like you're you're kind of obsessed with the best visual presentation, I can tell you right now, the uh, even with Dolby Vision <laughs> uh, streaming, uh, it's uh, the physical is still better. In my opinion, and it's I don't have a Dolby TV, maybe, but even either way, even technically <laughs> speak, even technically speaking, still better technically because you're it's more information you're putting out. And uh, well, and it's it's what's funny is it, when I I still like the transfer, it still looks good on digitally. I'm not saying it looks bad, but I'm just saying when I watched the the physical disc version, much much uh, more dynamic, if you will. So a lot. So when, so when that when I say that. So when you when I watched and I've watched the, the the digital version by the way like three four times I'm not kidding you I watch it a ton, and the first I'll, I even said this in my tweet I think a couple weeks ago that uh it, it's very grainy the which again that's because they they shot it in film and the way that, you know everything and all the saturated colors the Dolby Vision really enhances the colors and it really sucks out a lot of the the darks. And you could see all the grain, just a grainy, grainy person. And I kind of liked it. It, was, it gives a, a different character to it. Then I watched the uh, physical disc, uh, excuse me, the physical disc, and it was completely gone. And all the darks were way more uh, present. And that's where it creates that more of an atmosphere and a, and a more, just a better, I think, but overall just kind of dynamics on the screen. Where So when, like, the best example is if you have both the physical, uh, if you have the physical uh, uh, 4K and you have the, and you have obviously you probably redeem your digital copy. If you just watch the intro with Kylo Ren going to Exegol, you'll see a difference 
right away. I did. I could. I was like, whoa, this looks a lot different. And it was a lot darker and a little, again, more dynamic because of that. And the whole movie just was more just, again, the lights were lighter or the lights were kind of just more just in line with the darks. And it just looked great. It was a great presentation. And obviously the Skywalker Saga box set, which I'm assuming you ladies didn't buy either, um, came out as well, which is the 4K box set, uh, which I was... I spent a lot of money on, and my wife yelled at me when it came out eventually of our bank account amidst these trying times, and I got yelled at, but I was able to still get it. Thank you. Thank you, Morgan. And uh, But yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I just started the... Um, and Rogue One came in on 4K, too. So as you guys can tell, I'm a giant 4K and visual kind of presentation person. So uh, I'm really excited to dive in. I already watched The Phantom Menace. It looks great. Um, so I have read all the reviews, uh, or, or a bunch of reviews on, on these 4Ks themselves, and I've heard, and I can't wait to watch it, is that Rogue One is the best-looking Star Wars movie out there. I and really need to rewatch that. I mean, I'll, I don't have the 4K set up here, but I keep thinking I need to rewatch Rogue One. Yeah, yeah, and so, and if you're wondering, well, I have, you know, because Disney Plus obviously has the 4K stream, or has the, you you know, 4K streaming, you're wondering, well, that's the same thing, right? Well, no, because again, streaming's not going to be as powerful as the disc, and I was was reading reviews that they said, yeah, this is, this trumps the streaming, the physical disc themselves, they 100% trump the streaming by a lot, as far as how much information and how much you know, power that the, uh, you know, or how much it's able to present in 4k or it's high, highest definition or whatever. So I'm not doing a very good job explaining it, but basically it's still the, the better way to go at this point to watch them from a visual standpoint. So I'm really excited. I have only watched Phantom Menace and I'm going to go through probably a bunch of Star Wars movies this weekend. So I'm really, really excited about that. So yeah, you'll be if you follow me on Twitter at Herman22, uh, you'll see a bunch of live tweets basically talking about just me reviewing as I watch it the 4K films at some point. So anyway, uh, moving on to books and comics, it looks like comics were de- or not looks they were delayed, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I meant uh, to ask about this because as of now, there's no change to the the book publishing schedules um, because book publishing works so far ahead of time, things that are being worked on things that are coming out months or even years from now are being worked on now. So there will not be delays until maybe the fall is kind of the, it's not confirmed by anything, but it's likely based on how publishing schedules work. So um, no changes there yet, but I, I wanted to ask about what comic, uh, what changes were happening in the comic lines. Well, the comic lines is it's kind of a, it's kind of weird right now for comics because, as we all know, comics come out every week and these comic shops that are being forced to shut down because of the uh, obviously the pandemic that's going on, they aren't putting, you know, they aren't able to get their shipments in because uh, these the distributor, as far as I know, is not shipping them out because of that reason, because of the, of the COVID. And a lot of most, I think all the comic companies have now joined together and said, we are not going to release same day digital. And because of that, they just delayed comics altogether as far as releasing them. And right now it's kind of in a weird state because we just don't know how long that's going to last for. And I I don't and all these comic shops are going to have a hard time uh, surviving because of that. I know Mm -hmm. there's some I know I know there's like a comic shop, I think, in New Zealand stuff that I think that is selling 
the um, I think the digital codes of their comics of the of, of for customers, and that way they can sell them, and they'll get they'll get the money. And then they'll like they're getting approval or something like that. There's something like that that they're doing that, that these comic mm-hmm. shops are able to sell the the digital codes, and that way they'll when they go pick up their physical comics, they can just they'll just pick them up and and you know whatever. And then uh, that way that these stores can survive. I don't think that's gone out to here or, or or maybe some places are doing that. I don't know. So all I know is that Marvel, DCs. All these major comic publishers finally it took them a long time it, they took their sweet time to, to finally finalize it but they're doing the right thing by not releasing same day digital and yeah. just and letting the, these shops kind of survive and and hopefully they'll people come flocking to buy their books once uh, they open don't comic like big publishers generally take the paper sales into account when they continue or cancel comic books so i guess they'd uh, want to keep yeah. that going oh, for, as long oh, yeah. as they can <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, in fact, the the publishing is the only way. The actual physical publishing of the comics and selling is the only way to really track if a comic is selling these days because they don't release digital numbers. And so we don't know if, like, like for instance, like Immortal Hulk right now is the number one Marvel. I think the number one selling comic at like a hundred something copies physically or something like it's something maybe maybe it's more than that, but it's something like that. Oh, and, wow. And so, which by the way is like back in the day when I was collecting comics and, or when I still collect comics, but when I was a, a little tyke uh, collecting comics, the lowest selling comic was, uh, I think a hundred thousand copies. Whoa. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it used to be it, the, the comic industry used to be a lot more lucrative than it is now. But again, I don't, and this is where I was, this is where I, I was debating with someone or not even debating i think you, uh, i was just talking with someone about about this who kind of knows maybe some people and, and i i was trying to get some answers and no one could really tell me as how much digital sales do go into the factors of these things and you imagine they would right obviously i mean for if because i i only buy digitally mm-hmm, so i would think so they have to go in yeah so so but the thing is these the diamond because all the comics are, are distributed through one one seller and this is a very controversial thing for a lot of people in comics it's been going on since i was a kid diamond publishing or is the the distributor diamond distribution distribution is the number one comic distributor it's the only comic distributor so they are the ones that basically release the numbers for their comics that are being sold so they're the ones that say we sold this many hulk units or this issues this is how much we sold for this or or that and we don't, but that's the thing with with Comicsology and DC and Marvel and all these other comic uh, companies. They are all they don't have to release that information. They're not going to, and you know it's so it's interesting. I don't I don't know what they're going to do. I think it really depends. And and because hmm. Marvel because Marvel to me is is what what moved the needle. Every I mean obviously like Dark Horse they went out right out, right away and said we're not selling physical uh, any new issues until. Um, we can the comic shops can get it basically, and DC tried to say we're gonna still release issue, you know, release digital comics, and then they got kind of once Marvel said no, we're actually going to just we're gonna not release any physical comic or any digital comics until, you know, until basically they said until we kind of figure out what's going on, and they said that could be subject to change. Mm-hmm. So we'll see these decisions change depending on mm-hmm. how long things are closed and how long the economy as a whole is on a downturn, etc. Mm-hmm. how what conventions are canceled, things like mm-hmm. that. And so this is where I think uh this is why I said the end of the month will, will 
a lot of things, not just comics, not just books, at the everything economy wise will be will this is an important month. It really and this I don't think I'm not saying every month have everywhere has to be on the same page to move forward, but a number of places need to move forward this month, I, I in my opinion, to really get a, a good positive trajectory as far as what they're what's going on from those kinds of standpoints, because uh, I just had a podcast on uh, Marvel newscast uh, um, on the other day about this kind of very thing. And we talked about black widow. Well, black widow is a, obviously a big, big movie that's supposed to be coming out this month. And now it's not going to, and what are they going to do with it? Well, Disney, if you, I don't know if you guys know this, but they've closed both their parks. All their parks are closed. And the last thing I heard about Black Widow, and I don't want to get too far afield from Star oh, Wars, but I think yeah. this is relevant because it's it like is. how the entertainment um, exactly. industry is making these huge decisions. So the last thing that I heard about Black Widow was that they were not going to release it direct to home. Like there was no, there was some talk of are these big theater movies just going to be put out on streaming services? Mm-hmm. And the last I heard was that Disney had said or or made no move toward making these theatrical releases direct to home releases. Is that correct? That is correct. But the reason I bring it up though, is because it's just like how Marvel said in their thing about the comics. And that's why I want to bring it back to that is that they said this could be subject to change and Disney's not making as much money as they were not even close. And in fact, they are selling off debts. They are, they are, you know, obviously they're taking pay cuts on the on the high top, which is, as they should. They're not bringing, with all the parks being closed, that is a giant moneymaker for them. That's go- They need to make money, period. And what I, all I'm saying is Marvel's a part of that. And Black Widow, and I mean, I mean, I'm going to my phone, uh, meaning that Black Widow movie and comic books now are all, you know, even though comics are not a giant moneymaker for them, it's still revenue. So at some point they're going to say we need to do something. Got to give. We need to get some money f- into this because yes. we can't wait. Because we don't know when. Because here's the thing: we don't know when everywhere is going to get. Because like I just said, the, we don't know every place is going to openly, you know, probably open for business, you know, before other places. So do you release digital com- physical physical comics only to certain areas or altogether? So that's the thing. I think Marvel and I think other places once they kind of realize that you know what, we got to have some revenue come in. You know, unfortunately, we have to start selling our comics digitally. And I think it's going to happen. I think by the end of this month, we'll know, I think, what they're going to do with comics. I would not be shocked if if things aren't, you know, everyone stay at home still. And then Marvel and DC, they, you know, they say, you know what, we got to make some money. They're going to throw out their comics digitally. And I, I wouldn't blame them at that point because they gave it a fair shot. They tried, but they've got to make money too. So this is the unfortunate thing of, of this whole all these it's a, amongst many many awful other things that are going on this is another trap you know another travesty for things for people's businesses you know unfortunately but we'll see i hope I, I pray that and that we are able to move forward after this after this month at least somewhat somewhat not be back to normal completely that's that's not realistic but something so we'll see we'll see i i don't know what it means for books though i don't know because like like just like for releases for the skywalker box set right you would think well that could have been pushed back or you know whatever because they have to you know, but best buys are still open and places that have books are still open like targets and walmarts so because they're essential businesses so they sell foods and whatnot so i don't know if books will be affected by this necessarily because it kind of falls in line with home video and home video is part of those is, is sold in essential areas so does that make sense 
It does. Um, I'm not sure myself. I don't know enough about the distribution of, of those books, whether uh, in terms of which books are sent where, obviously. Um, well, obviously, to like we keep an eye out for the stuff, but you know, you can typically buy the newest Star yeah. Wars book at a Target, um, as well as at a, a Barnes and Noble or something. Or and a Amazon. lot of people order them from Amazon, yep, mm-hmm. and or through local bookstores that may or may not have a, a connection with an Amazon distribution center. So that, and um, as of now, you know, Amazon is deprioritizing books, um, and this is just going to, it's just going to create a backlog. So, yeah, it's it's just a wait and see at this point. Yeah, I, I had ordered a book, uh, like a non-Star Wars book recently that that I could not get from Amazon because of the Amazon freeze. So I shifted it. I shifted the physical order to an indie bookstore and they could get it um, for whatever reasons because the, the, their distribution and their ordering system is different. So I think books seems for now that the, the their availability has been maybe halved, but not completely cut in the way that the comic book shops have. Crazy. Yeah, because I'm very thankful because I got uh, all my stuff from Amazon, I ordered a, the Skywalker, um, the Rise of Skywalker art of book and Rogue One on 4K, and I got those all on time. So I'm, I don't know if I'm incredibly lucky or what. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I, did, I was able to get those right on time. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. I think it depends on, like, the, the order time and the distribution. Like, those things might have been sitting in the warehouse a month ago. Exactly. Yeah. That, and that's a good point. And I think they probably were, like you said, because they, I got, cause they all got released on Tuesday. So that would that would actually line up to what you're saying. So we'll see. I mean, I don't. I, to be honest, they may these people might be scared to. I could see it going both ways. I could see people being like, you know, people want they need material to to read and to buy, and here we go. Or saying, you know what, the economy isn't going to be really bad right now. Let's wait until people have a little more money and we can push this out. I have no idea. So, I yeah, it'd be very interesting. That's for sure. So we'll see. It is interesting because. On the alternate side, the games yeah. industry hasn't really changed much. Yeah. Well, it's because they're, um, you, know, you can work from home, right? They yeah, exactly. It and it's it's largely digital. Um, if we had any Star Wars games coming out, they probably wouldn't be delayed. But unfortunately, no Star Wars games. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Seriously. Um, so moving on, moving on really fast here. Uh, Queen's Peril, uh, you said you finished reading it, Megan? Yes, so Queen's Perilous had quite a long period in the um, media copies stage. It it doesn't come out until June. Um, Yeah, I was going to say, I was talking to someone about it yesterday. I mean, I haven't read it, um, but I was talking to someone yesterday who had read the media copy. And I was like, wait, when does this book come out? She's like, July or June. And I was (laughs) like, you got this book like a month ago. (laughs) It's actually quite strange to me because reviews, there's no, there's not an embargo. Like reviews can come out now. So um people that they're kind of coming out in like fits and starts and then by june i'm not going to remember what happened in this book (laughs) so um but my physical media update is that so i currently have two star wars bookshelves they're like loosely in chronological order one's for canon one's for legends and then i have my face out books i have the rebel files and the jedi path as like decorative bookends basically and I'm starting to have to turn the bookends because with 
the rise of Skywalker and Queen's Peril, my um, my canon shelf is getting full, so I may have to reorganize them soon. But that's a nice problem to have. That yeah, that's nice not the worst problem. of problems, huh? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's not too like, bad. That's not too bad. Uh, all right. So it looks like, uh, and I, I almost missed this. It looks like there's a new there's a new writer for the Obi Wan Kenobi series, Joby Harold. And oh, it looks I totally like, missed that. Yeah, I I totally almost missed it completely today. And apparently, he's best known for writing the King Arthur movie that Guy Ritchie uh, had directed. And I've actually heard some good things about that movie that people I I, I trust. I, I watched get... it, but I okay. don't remember anything about it except for big elephants. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and not... I don't know if that was actually in the movie or if I've just gotten confused with the fact that I did watch Lord of the Rings around the same time. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there were big elephants in it. Yeah, I've, I've... Heard, I've heard. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. I'm not familiar with anything he he wrote. I really yeah. I didn't know his name at all before, but I did want to include this because um, the previous writer stepped down after scripts had been completed, and now they've brought in Mr. Harold. And uh, Deborah Chow is still attached to direct, which is I thank think, God um, to yeah. me the important part, <laughs> right? Yeah, same. Yeah. Well, I think that there's what's what's going to be interesting. What they do with this is there's been rumors about turning this into a movie or is it going to be a still a mini series? I'm hoping it's still a mini series because I think that's going to be to me that that's, that's the bread and butter of Disney plus slash what star Wars can give Disney even more. So as all as things like this, and don't get me wrong. I, I need star Wars in a theater too, but I think mini series like this is such a, it's such up Disney's alley for star Wars. It's, picture perfect and i think that i want to kind of keep i want to see what uh they can do with a miniseries like this not like a like a season seasonal series like the mandalorian which we all already know is great but something like that that's a kind of a one and done or a one kind of miniseries thing and you can do a sequel miniseries or whatever if you want to but keep it short and sweet but don't keep it like eight episodes long and, and try to extend it out or, or just do a, a quick little movie. I'd like to kind of split the difference. Give me like three, four episodes. So I hope they keep that. And it seems like they are, it seems like they are, but that again, that remains to be seen if they, if they will, but yeah. Are you, do you guys have any preferences? Would you guys prefer to be a movie or a mini series? I like miniseries right now. Usually, like, I remember, like, a year or so ago, I would have been like, movie, I love Star Wars as a movie. Yeah. But after The Mandalorian, I'm like, no, nah, I'm actually kind of sold on this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I really love The Mandal. I love The Mandalorian a lot more than I thought I would. And, like, mm. I mean, I don't really want a Kenobi movie because it feels too big for, like, Kenobi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes. So, and, like, also a miniseries gives me more time <laughs> with him. <laughs> more time looking at Ewan McGregor's face. So, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I think we discussed a little bit in a previous episode how The Mandalorian has shown that Disney Plus is a really good place to both kind of keep the Star Wars fandom alive and interested with weekly episodes, specifically doing it weekly instead of dropping it all at once, and also for bringing in new fans. And um, uh, I think that means that this would be a good place to, to keep Kenobi there rather than uh, make it a movie where it's kind of like people that no, they like Star Wars movies will probably go, but frankly, right. Star Wars has lost a bit of its cultural cultural cash in the last couple uh, over the last couple movies at, as for the like a wider audience. So the Mandalorian has succeeded in bringing back that wider audience. And to me, it seems like that means that um, 
uh, miniseries would be a natural place to reintroduce this like beloved character who's also a really good entry point character. Yeah, it was mm. cool with the Mandalorian because like I would be visiting my sister and she'd have some friends over who are not interested in Star Wars at all, but they know I'm the Star Wars person, obviously. Um, and they'd start talking about the Mandalorian and I was like, oh, this is so lovely. <laughs> And I think there is also some room for debate there. I, as soon as I said the last couple movies have not had a large cultural cache, I heard thousands of screaming people on Twitter going, uh, box office numbers and Raylo and influences and cultural shifts. And I heard a lot of those conversations. So I want to make it clear that I do know those conversations are going on as well. And that uh, I agree with, with what Saf said when she was agreeing with me. <laughs> 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 well, I, and I think also you said some, you said something, Saf, about just the fact that you have more time with someone, and I think that's what I like about the miniseries. You can really spend a lot more time with Obi Wan Kenobi and get inside his head a little bit more than a two-hour film. But yet, I don't think we need. I don't necessarily need a whole season of, of Kenobi necessarily either. I'll take it if they want, but. I think you split the difference by having that miniseries, three to four episodes. You can really get into like the headspace of the character because I think that's what I really want to see in the series reflected out is, is the fact that this person is, one, hiding, and two, has a lot of regrets. And how does he come to accept those regrets? And I, for me, that's fascinating. And that, I love that idea of, of Obi-Wan. He's kind of come at a different he's, – Go to, he's gone to Tatooine to, to, to fulfill something, but he's also living with the demons that he has to deal with. And I think that that, to me, is going to be the exciting thing to read be, or to watch because what exactly – how does he get over being the kind of defeated Jedi to be the, the confident person that we see take out Darth Maul? And also how he's able to train Luke and, and lead him on because he's the same person in – he's the same person in, in episode three and four, but – there's a lot that's gone on that makes him more he has more wisdom in four and even more so than he does in, in episode three so where does that come from and i think that it would be nice to see where that comes from maybe a little bit in a miniseries so and and really fast i want to ask you also what are you guys thoughts what are your thoughts on uh, the rumors i'm not sure if, he's, if this has been confirmed or uh, confirmed or not but rosie Dawson as ahsoka I don't think that's true because the only place I've seen, like literally the only place I've seen reporting it is Green Run. Um, and I don't necessarily trust Green Run at the best of times. Uh, none of the other trades picked it up or anything. So I personally don't believe it. Um, I would like to see Nasoka, but uh, I don't know uh, if Variety it's going to happen. Variety did, did pick it up. Oh, Variety to pick it up? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I still don't really. Yeah, Variety based their report on Screen Rant's report, yeah, but also said I, they had an additional source. It's not they, Screen Rant. It's 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 um Slash, slash Film. It's well, I don't like film. Slash Film either. <laughs> and, and Variety said they That's had confirmed it through a separate person. But interesting. I, I still like I with these things. I always do hold off. And until like it's officially confirmed, oh, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what I go with with these things, especially if like not every single trade is reporting it as confirmed. Like even if just one is, like Variety's pretty good. Um, but still, I generally hold off until we know yeah. for sure because well, <laughs> I don't want to get fair. excited about Ahsoka being something and then be let down. Yeah, that's fair. I would definitely be interested in seeing her in the live action um, shows, especially in something like The Mandalorian with an emphasis on heavy realism. We've seen Togruta like Shakti before and they are very colorful and they're very like 
she's a Jedi, so she moves very fluidly. And to see it, so Grunza, who we know is like also a Jedi, but if you were going to put her in the Mandalorian style, I can just imagine her as being like sandy and dusty and kind of slow and, and in this sure. more Ben Kenobi role. And I think that would be really interesting. Um, just as like a fan concept, I, I find that appealing. Um, I'm also waiting on like Lucasfilm to say whether it's, whether it's true, but I'm, tentatively interested in the idea of a live action ahsoka period mm. awesome yeah I, i'm excited I, I think anything live action i think rosie o'dawson's a solid actress uh, i like her a lot actually and everything I've, I've seen her in seen her in a number of things and yeah i think she she seems like a you know a good a good choice so I, and i've i've gone on record many a time saying before all this that i've always said i have a very deep suspicion that Ahsoka is going to take baby Yoda. And I think this to me confirms it. But the, it we'll see. The Thelonious thing, the exactly. most Thelonious. And also, the moat makes the most sense, which I like. Um, but anyway, that's going to ride fine in on the Loth Wolf. Uh, see, give me it. Give me that mythic stuff. Oh my God. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Give it to me. Uh, all right. So we had a couple main topics. Uh, we have the Clone Wars has returned. We'll start with that. And then we also have the Rise of Skywalker novelization, which I want to talk a little bit about as well. But we'll start. We'll start with the, the Clone Wars. And Seth, you kind of said it. You kind of summed it up best for me, I think. And I'm going to let you kind of take it away. What's your take on the, the, the recent episodes? We've got the Bad Batch arc that just completed. That was what four episodes, and we also have yeah. a new Ahsoka arc, and that's about to wrap up. I think tomorrow. Wait, no, we have two more episodes after. We have tomorrow, and then we have one more, right? Yes. Yeah, one yeah, comes so. out, like, we're recording on Thursday, it'll be out on this Friday, and then Next one week. more, and then yeah. the Siege of Mandalore Whoa. begins. Yeah, that's, oh, that's, yes. yeah. that's what we're all looking forward to, but yes. explain what you said about the Clone Wars, I thought you summed it up pretty well. Um, so, at the moment, I'm enjoying the Clone Wars, like, I'm like, yeah, this is good, I'm here for it, but honestly, beyond that, I'm not really having any more thoughts about it, um, it's just like, I'm enjoying it, and otherwise, I'm like, meh, it's yeah. Star Wars. <laughs> and so, I think what you had mentioned before is that's partially because we you we've seen the bad batch before and yeah do you feel that the ahsoka stuff also feels kind of repetitive or or no i don't think it's repetitive it is it is interesting seeing her like struggle with things after leaving the jedi um i think just partly because the bad like the arc isn't over yet that i'm kind of like holding off on my deeper thoughts about it because i don't really know where it's gonna go yet it's like it's at the halfway point now, so it's like things are starting to happen, but it's not like getting into the main meat of it, I guess. So I'm like, I'm really enjoying seeing Ahsoka. I love Ahsoka so much. It's reminded me how much I love Ahsoka. Um, but otherwise, I'm just like, it's cool Ahsoka stuff, and I like the two new characters. <laughs> See, this is. I also have like zero feelings about the big bat, uh, the, the the big batch. Um, but that's <laughs> uh, actually a better name, the big batch. <laughs> that's just Wrecker by himself. Um, so I don't have many feelings about those clones, but this is actually, I'm like, this is my time. I love Ahsoka now. I never did before. <gasps> I oh my god, I finally care about Ahsoka and everyone. I'm else so happy, so quiet. And I'm like, I'm finally here with you, and they're like. Where were you 10 years ago? And I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> so 
but this arc gave me what I've I've wanted from the Clone Wars for a really long time, which is like a in-depth conversation between Ahsoka and other teens, which feels realistic. I always found, this is me having an unpopular opinion, and I recognize that, but I always found a lot of uh, Ahsoka's friendships to feel very stilted, and they didn't they didn't talk like kids. It sounded to me very much like adult men trying to write teenage girls and totally failing. Um, whether or not it was always that, I do not know, but I felt very disconnected from that. And in this case, finally, the dialogue is sharp. The characters are funny. The dynamics between the, the sisters are very clear. Each of them wants their own thing that's based on their experiences, which we as an audience can understand and then root for them as they try to get the thing that's like essential for what their motivation has been for this, in the case of the sisters, their whole lives. And for Ahsoka, um, this period of time when she's so lost and she obviously has so much longing in her, but she can't tell anyone about it because they don't like Jedi and they have good, um, like they have interesting points to make about why, um, the Jedi have kind of failed their, the society that they live in. And I'm just like, I'm here for all of this. (laughs) Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. (laughs) So... Those are all of my feelings about the Ahsoka arc. I want to, like, write and read all the meta about kind of the sisters' philosophies and, and what Ahsoka's going through right now. I've been thinking a lot about the Ahsoka novel because one thing this arc is not giving me is ah- Ahsoka introspection. It just doesn't have the chops to, like, really show what she's feeling without her saying it to someone and so I wish there was more of that um we got more of that in the Ahsoka novel and I keep hearing like lines from the Ahsoka novel kind of flip through my head as I as I read Mm. as I watch the Clone Wars um things about the way she thought about Anakin and Obi-Wan the way she thought about what the purpose of being a Jedi was is all very similar and that's oh that does remind me of that moment where they're flying past the place where Anakin is and they can both like sense each other. That bit got me right in the heart. I cried a little bit there. Mm. Um, nothing I love more than tragic master apprentice relationships and Star mm. Wars. It gets me. Um, I agree with everything you're saying about Ahsoka. Like I'm really liking this Ahsoka a lot. I mean, I love Ahsoka, but I'm liking this Ahsoka um, particularly. And I think one thing that's good about these two arcs is they're very clearly leading into Siege of Mandalore with Rex and Ahsoka. Cause like, at the end of the Bad Batch, Rex is kind of becoming disillusioned with the way the clones are being treated. Um, 
and everything. And in this, Ahsoka is obviously becoming a bit disillusioned with the Jedi already and what doing good for the galaxy actually means. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, mm-hmm. we know from this Siege of Mandalore is happening next, and in Siege of Mandalore is where like Ahsoka and Rex reunite, and like theoretically Rex like goes off and takes out his control chip or something. Um, so it's like it's a big moment for both of those characters who kind of have in large ways been the core of the Clone Wars. You know, I, I've always liked Ahsoka, and I I came to this Clone Wars a little bit late. I was a couple of seasons behind, and I really grew to love the character. I I understand, because I, I don't know, obviously, what the teenage girls are, go through or, or sound like, and I'm not going to pretend that I do, but I, I do recognize that it may not be what you can maybe relate to or want to hear, but I always said the same thing about just any character from that universe because they're not really the kind of the same thing. And I kind of like the idea that these they're, they're Jedi and they're trained to be Jedi. So they're not just going to be typical, you know, they're, they're Padawans. They're basically being trained to be these peacekeepers slash warriors. So they're going to be not talk like, you know, it's like average, you know, day to day, even people of the galaxy, they're going to be a little bit different. They're still going to have some of those things there too, but they're kind of trained not to be like that. So I never took it like that, uh, Megan, for, for me when I watched it. So that for me, at least uh, their dialogue always worked for me. Like I always loved when she talked to Barris Offy and hung out with her and they had the whole brain thing going on and they, they invaded Ge- Geonosis. And I always loved that stuff when they were trapped underneath the rubble. I loved the, I always loved their interactions. I always thought, for the most part, I mean, not every episode of Soka was great. I mean, but like, even like, <laughs> but, but, but you know what though? Like the, um, the slaver arc when she was with Lux at first and whatnot, like there were some really good stuff there. I thought, or at least with, um, yeah, I thought that she had some good dialogue there. Um, and everything. I don't know. I, but I will say with these episodes in particular, it was nice to get a different perspective of Ahsoka that's not just a Jedi perspective. And that what I would definitely appreciate and understand that we didn't get as much with the original episodes. And that I can understand where it would be it was nice it was probably nice to get that perspective. Did and it, you it, catch was there a Zygarian on Castle in the last episode? Yes, there was. Yeah. I did notice that. That moment too. Mm-hmm. where she sees that guy, it was like so mm. there was no there was no dialogue. She you could just see yep. she like tenses up and then she leaves. And I thought it was a really great callback to the it's, that. um yeah. yeah, it is. And I, I actually just recently watched that arc. I don't know why. I was just watching some Clone Wars on Disney Plus and I kinda of just picked a random episode and then as it went on it got into the slaver arc and I kinda of just stopped watching around that point because I'd go do something else and I just didn't pick it up again. Um and so yeah, like that was fresh in my memory when I saw that and I was like, Oh god. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was intense. There, yeah, and, that was really intense. And I think and, one of the nice things about this arc is that Ahsoka's finally gained to talk to other people her age, not as like a Jedi. Yeah. She gets to interact with them exactly. as other teenage girls, which is something she hasn't really done before. And so I've been really enjoying watching her kind of like try and navigate that as someone who's like, obviously has probably always wanted this, but has never really been able to have it. Like even with um, Barris, she would ha- try and have that friendship and Barris would like kind of shut her out because of the Jedi training. Exactly. And I think that you see the difference in Ahsoka with with the sisters. And I think that's really interesting and also kind of it's it's a good dynamic. And I like that. I like the and then I, 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 I can't talk. 
I think that's why I, I, I really like the fact that if you go back to in these episodes, she doesn't act like that. And I'm really appreciative of the fact that she doesn't act. She has a different, more of a, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't say regal, but something like that. Like she's, she's obviously very, she's very much educated and, and, and brought up in a, and to be a certain way. And this is a different lifestyle that she wasn't you know used to or didn't really think about. And she's getting that different perspective. And again, like as we get older, we see different perspectives as people. We understand more. That's the whole point of wisdom, right? We don't you don't just get wisdom because you're you don't just sit around in your house and you think you know everything. You you get wisdom by experiencing things. And sometimes those things can be hard and, and you witness things that you don't necessarily want to witness. And you're like, crap, like this is not something that I want to deal with. You're seeing that with Ahsoka a little bit with this. You're seeing the kind of the the what happens with with people that are in a different kind of whole different world, even though it's on the same planet. It's a whole different world, and she's you know introduced to something that she necessarily wasn't really prepared for necessarily. I think from uh, her tr- Jedi training because it kind of protect her from that. And, and you, I love the episodes of the Clone Wars even before that where she got to you know where she lights loses her lightsaber. And she needs to go find it. And she kind of learns a lot, you know, through that. It has to go through the underworld. And you're, you're seeing her go through the underworld here of experiencing someone who's very gracious and also someone who doesn't trust her and is pretty much has it out for her. And that hasn't really happened in a, I think, in that kind of sense. We obviously, Beresafi was out for her in a much different way. Um, but this is a little bit different. It's, it's a lot more on, it's a lot more honest, I think in upfront saying, I don't trust you. I don't like you and you're stepping on my territory. And that's something that she really hasn't really dealt with. I don't think. And it, it's nice to see. So, but, the, but here's the ultimate, the problem with those episodes, they're just not action packed. And so because of that, I, I, I still like them. They're not terrible, but they're just not incredibly like enthralling for me. They're not, I wasn't like, Oh man, that was great. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, that's all episode. And, and again, that's kind of TV as of a, that's kind of classic TV, right? It's not meant to be, you know, you can't always expect, you know, grade a 10 action packed moments. Cause then the, everything becomes the same. So oh, it's yeah. definitely a change of pace. And I like that. I like the fact that it's a change of pace, but it doesn't make me want to go back and rewatch the episodes necessarily either. And have... with a bad batch, good. I have um, something to say about, like, the amount of action in these episodes, because there's been a lot of discussion about whether they feel like filler or not. And unfortunately, I can't actually say what I want to say about this, because it's in the episode that comes out tomorrow. (laughs) So ask me about this later. (laughs) All right, I'll ask you next episode, next month. (laughs) Yes. Um, yeah, and I, 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 but here's the thing. I don't mind these kinds of episodes, because I appreciate them. I mean... Yeah, I don't. I, I I like character. It's a very much character building for Ahsoka, and I like that. And I think we've needed that for, for her for a long time. And there's a long time coming. And I, I actually really like the sisters. I really like the. Uh, I forgot the sisters' names, but the uh, the one that's not doesn't trust Ahsoka. I love her. That's she, Rafa. She cracks me up. And the other one's Rafa. Trace. That's right. I, that's I right. actually managed to pull that out of my memory. I'm impressed. That's really good. Yeah, Rafa's great. I I like I've both been... sisters, but Rafa's great. I've been writing about both Clone Wars and Star Trek Picard, which has a character named Raffi. So there's been some very careful spelling around uh, Rafa and Raffi. <laughs> right, right. 
Yeah, so I'm really excited. I mean, listen, I love Star Wars and I love Ahsoka. I do. I love the character. So I'm really excited to watch tomorrow's episode and with 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 great interest. And I can't wait. And I can't obviously wait for Siege of Mandalore. So I do want to say I, one I'm thing. All... Yeah, the animation is gorgeous. The lighting oh, is yeah. amazing. So oh my god! So like good. I thought the like the Lost Missions was gorgeous, but this is just on a whole new level. It's so good. It, it makes me long for more animation like this for star wars and mm-hmm. if they're if they're gonna do animation do animated miniseries movies whatever do it in this kind of animation style because it is like you said saf it's gorgeous and the bad batch i mean i watched that i couldn't my mouth was dropped open a lot of times and again the bad batch isn't wasn't my favorite stories necessarily either I enjoyed them, but like, but honestly, the animation is what really drove it home for me. I'm like, man, this looks incredible. It there looks so many, insane. so many background characters in the Bad Batch. It was so impressive. Yeah. So, so I think all in all, I think we all kind of agree that that, that we're all. I think well, I'm not Megan's not a big. You're not the biggest Clone Wars fan. I know that, but no, uh, but I'm enjoying this season. Good. Like good. season six and seven, both have been like mostly highs with lows here and there like any tv show would have i'm 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 enjoying it they're doing a lot of things that i've wanted them to do for a while which um are not connected to me saying i want them they're just (laughs) apparently here now but um yeah so i i'm really enjoying them cool yeah and like i'm really enjoying them too i don't i'm not in love with them but i think it's all prep for the Siege of Mandalore, which I think is that's going to be the that's going to be the game changer. Hopefully, not you know, knock knock on wood. So uh, our last main topic is going to be the Rise of Sky the the Rise of Skywalker novelization, and I really wanted to talk about it because this was I have not read the book unfortunately I haven't had a chance to I'm, I think I'm eventually going to listen to the audiobook. I was given the audiobook and I, I still plan on checking it out, but. This obviously expanded a lot from the movie, and we could we could talk a lot about that, and I, and I think those are things are worth talking about. But and, and I'm not sure. Are, do you guys have opinions? Does it make you accept things in the Rise of Skywalker at all? Like uh, like for instance, go ahead, Seth. I have like I actually haven't read it yet because I haven't had time. And by I mean I haven't had the time. I mean I've been more sucked into other books. No, um, uh, not that I don't want to read this novelization, but it's not like on my shelf where the other books are like right there in front of me. So I'm reading them. Um, but I have seen like some parts of it and I'm like, I dig that. That's cool. Like I already like the movie, so it's not like it's going to change my opinion that much. Mm-hmm. So uh, and I- there are ahead, a couple Megan. points in here that I definitely walked out of the movie with a lot of questions, which were answered <laughs> through like, blatant exposition but they were at least answered in the novel um and i'm i'm glad for that in a way i thought it's hard to keep my opinions about the movie out of my opinions about the novel but um i do try to do that so there's some things that were in the book that i wish were in the movie because they would have just been a little bit of here's an answer to this question especially the stuff about palpatine's son and palpatine being uh, in a clone body and some of the connections to the Mandalorian. So, and there's a lot. So we should probably do those, like do those separately. But maybe if we want to. But um, 
I so no, I don't mind them. Other parts that I enjoyed were like the Zori Bliss stuff. She has a couple scenes that are not in the in the movie. Um, Leia has a couple scenes that are not in the movie. I actually don't think they changed Leia's parts enough in the book. I'm sure there was a lot of push and pull about that. The new scenes were okay. I don't necessarily feel like I know Zori Bliss in like some deep, meaningful way now, but it was nice to get more of a sense of the atmosphere. However, I do feel this movie as a whole relied too much on gotchas and references and like key phrases and the novel could not fix that especially not by adding in more key phrases and references however there was an alphabet squadron shout out so 10 out of 10 actually wait there was <laughs> yeah so a character there's a couple different expanded universe um call signs that come in at the end and one of them is um i believe the ghost is one of them i believe um so Jaeger and Kaz from Resistance are definitely in there. And then someone is referred to as Alphabet 2. We do not know who Alphabet 2 is. I have so much speculation about this. Um, But yeah, so that reference is in there. Oh my god, that's so exciting. They don't have call signs in the book. Like, Alphabet Squadron does not have call signs. So this person is Alphabet 2 either because... Alphabet 1 is dead or missing or because Alphabet 2 is a reference is like a like a Rogue One style reference to something else and we, or maybe or, like Alphabet Squadron has continued after like those characters have moved on somewhere. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. I like, appreciate that there's a call out to that. Yeah. My my favorite theory is that Hera is Alphabet 1 and Quell is Alphabet 2. So she's but she's also Alphabet leader. Because their hierarchy is a little messed up. It's like everything about them. So that's why 2 is the wing leader. Because Hera is like the honorary alphabet 1. Mm, that like makes sense. Complete fan theory. Sounds anyway, awesome. is that relevant to anything you were going to say, Paul? No. <laughs> yeah, but, but you I'm, know, I'm but, here for that. You uh, made me want to read the book even more just for the fact that they say that. Well, and I, I guess for me, the reason why I, I want to bring it up... Is the is the main reveal of of, of Palpatine's son and, and who he is and, and and the reveal of that way because spoiler alert if you wanted to wait read the book I I, I just want to I want to bring it up because it, it brings something up about the canonicity of novelizations and I want to pro, uh, pose this question to you both but I need to kind of explain what this is first so spoiler alert if you haven't seen the, the read the book you know you, you know. Three, two, one. When I talk about it, it's revealed that uh, the son of Palpatine is actually a a clone of Palpatine that doesn't have any Force abilities, and that he eventually goes rogue and falls in love with someone, and, and they have a daughter, and that all that the power that he thought he would inherit that this clone would inherit then essentially came to to Ray, um, inheriting you know from the that family line and whatnot. So. That was a big, big, big reveal from there. And I know a lot of people had opinions about Ray Palpatine, you know, Ray, you know whatever. And I, I personally love it. And, <laughs> and 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 I know that's whatever for a lot of people. But what, I, what I'm wondering here is this, is that because I, I remember when the movie came out, I'm like, well, who's Palpatine's son? Who, what is this? What exactly? Because I, I don't necessarily blame JJ and Chris Terrio were trying to overly explain everything in the movie because I think that that's what 
one this books are for or and not necessarily the novelization though and so what's what's fascinating about the novelization is that it does flesh out quite a bit way more than i was even anticipating to be honest and when you got a definitive answer of who palpatine's son is which is not exactly a terrible i don't think it's terrible myself but it's definitely complicated and you don't how they describe that into a film I don't know for a mom and pop to be like, what is it? Huh? You know, what is this? So uh, it's it's very interesting. But I, I it brought to my attention. I always came back to this idea and I'm curious what you both think. So here's my my, my question to you. So the novelizations are what is it famous? What is it famously said about them from the Star Wars films? What is, what is what is Lucasfilm always said about them? They're canon, except where they contradict the movies. Exactly. So, there's, and all the novelizations have, not all, but the previous before the sequel trilogy, I will say, even the sequel trilogy now at this point, because the Poe met Rey in the, the Force Awakens novelization, and then she acts like she meets him for the first time in The Last Jedi. So, we already have a contradiction there, right? Okay. So, what I'm wondering is we already have an example, all these examples of the novelizations, they help flesh things out, but they, are not, they aren't necessarily true blue canon. Does, do you think that, even though like I'm assuming that the son of Palpatine is a failed clone, is basically a failed uh, clone of Palpatine, who's actually a good person and wants to do the right thing, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think that that is still going to be canon or does it leave room for another story to be told and totally retconned or ignored from the novelization because of the previous I, uh, things we've already got in novels that are kind of kind of you know swept under the rug or, or ignored anyway because the fact that it's never explained on screen as far as who exactly the son is the, the novelization can be trumped at this point mm-hmm. because so many different things are can be trumped and that is what I, I'm kind of proposing to you both is that would you be, would you be, uh, whether you like it or not, uh, and I, I, have, I don't, I forgot if you guys like it or not, uh, but whether you like it, the Ray Palpatine and Son of Palpatine or not, would you be, do you like the idea of a, that the son is a failed clone, a literal failed clone a la Boba Fett, which by the way, I like the idea that's a callback to that necessarily. It seems maybe it's, uh, an accident that is a callback to the Boba Fett, Jango Fett dynamic, but I I think it kind of is a callback to that. I think that's really cool. Or do you like that idea? Or do you would you want something else? Or are you are you open to a different story with that? Because I think it leaves itself open for it, to be honest. So personally, <laughs> um, there were a lot of things in Rise of Skywalker I did not like. I think I'm the one that was the most disappointed with the movie out of this trio of people. But uh, this idea specifically, if we're just talking opinion, I like this. I like that um, the idea of like a force squib is great. Um, I think that growing up as a person who is the son of like Emperor Palpatine but doesn't have any force powers could be a great story. I also like that this neatly answers the question of did Palpatine have a wife with a neat little no. So we can all go back to not worrying about that. And then, and there's the term, there's the canon question, though, which is, 
Um, and which, like, as I said before, Lucasfilm has always said that the novels are canon basically where it is convenient and where they do not contradict the movies. However, I think there's a more complicated order of operations there that we cannot fully discuss because we are not part of the story group and I don't know what the hierarchy is. But for example, if I think what we've seen in the past with the with the previous with Legends canon is that if Dave Filoni pitched an idea about Palpatine's son and he's a, like a like a natural born son and he's force sensitive and George Lucas signed off on that and Pal- and Filoni went and made that show that show would be more canon than in this book however is that going to be different in the new canon um I'm not sure I think the order of operations has changed I think it does come down to who is making this piece of media, how lucrative, the, in this case, this piece being the the proposed Palpatine's son alternate universe uh, movie or whatever, is who's making this, is it expected to be lucrative more so than this book? Um, and that's where you'll start to make decisions like that. The new canon, as we know, is designed to be a little more cohesive, but doesn't always turn out that way. Um so so that's my answer to that, is that, yes, I can see it being changed one day, but it depends not just on, it's not just a cut, books are canon oh. until they're not. It's they're canon if certain decisions outweigh other decisions, which we don't know about, right? No, I, I, you pretty much answered that. Um, really quick, Sapphora, you answer if, if, you, have, if you have an answer. I, I just, it, it was just, when I when I when I heard that, I immediately thought, well, its novelizations are are easily trumped and and easily you know you you can't really retcon, you can retcon di- different things and 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 books, but you can't really just outright ignore things like like they do in the novelizations, like Ray meeting Poe for the first time in in the 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 Force Awakens. You can completely ignore that and say, oh, that didn't happen in the movie, so it, it wasn't, so it's not canon, so blah, blah, blah. So I feel like because it's in the novelization, you can easily do away with that whole idea and origin if you wanted to because it is a novelization. And there's so many different things like in the original A New Hope novel, uh, Owen Lars is Obi-Wan's brother. Or, or excuse me, Return of the Jedi. So, I mean, there's a lot in Yoda's Blue and Empire Strikes Back. There's in, countless other things that are totally not canon obviously so i just wonder with that because of that reason that it's a it's a novelization that it could do you think it could be easily just even more so than just a normal retcon would be and for coming from the comic book world so that i guess is the answer ret- there is is yes then yeah yeah exactly yeah exactly and so coming from the comic book world it's all about how do you fit different things and how can you ignore things and, and whatever. So I'm always interested how they will fit this into future Canon stories in, in general. But I also, that's where I got my brain going a little bit saying, will us actually be retconned again? Because they'll say, you know what? Well, we want to change it. We don't want it to be just so cut and dry. We want to make it a little more dramatic. And there's a great story pitched by X and such and such writer, and they want to do this, and it's a great idea. And we're gonna we're gonna change it up because of that reason, because it's yeah, a novelization. Well, that's, that's exactly yeah. what I said, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Example. Yeah, yeah. So, Saf, do you have an opinion on that? 
I think I mostly just agree with what y'all are saying. Um, when it comes to the clone in particular, I'm okay with it. Like, I think I made a Twitter thread a while back when I first, like, found out about it where I was like, the idea of Palpatine having a clone that's, like, a fail clone, that then goes good, and it's like, nah, screw you, Dad, I'm having a kid, and then not let you touch this kid at all. Like, I, I, I like the idea of that character arc, and honestly, I'd like a story about that. Or even, like, a story about her mother instead. Uh, like, because, I mean, the idea of, like, love changing people in Star Wars is a thing, and I don't know. I could dig a romance book about that. I'm not a huge fan of romance mm-hmm. books, but that particular one just seems weird <laughs> like a weird exactly. dynamic and i'm here for the that yeah yeah palpatine jr yeah yeah like the idea of that is interesting um Honestly, otherwise I, like i want to read that book i'm sure I'd read yeah book. yeah i feel like i feel like that would make a good star wars romance book like no yeah exactly someone on that it, yeah let's and, and honestly i want to know what made him turn away from the palpatine like what drove him that way? Like again, maybe it wasn't it, he wasn't force sensitive, but he was being led by. There was something drawing him away from his father, like making him you know, again add to that myth, uh, mythicism, if you will, uh, that I love so much about Star Wars. So I, I I would love to see that story of of the the son of Palpatine, the clone Palpatine, and just kind of him growing up and then resenting his father or his, he is or whatever, and then. Again, that going back to Ray and then in her rejecting her whole family, you know, line and then taking on a whole new line. So I like I like I like that stuff. So I would love to see it. Um, other things about I, there's lots of uh, there's a, I know there's a Kylo Ren Chewbacca scene in the novelization that I don't want to spoil too much on, but I know that that was, sounds interesting. There it definitely feels it flushes out. Like I said, the the book from what I, I've heard of all the spoilers I've read, it flushes out a lot. And it's it's a bummer. I will say, and you guys all know, I'm a giant Rise of Skywalker fan. It's my favorite Disney Star Wars film. It's it's up there. It's I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I have to say, there's a couple things I wish they would they would have put in there. And I think for me, I would have loved a little more explanation about the Emperor, just because it shut other people up about the Emperor and saying, "Well, how did you survive? It'll tell me. It'll give me a screen by a diagram." Uh, you know, flashpoint presentation of how Palpatine survived. It's like, okay, just, you know, I wish some of that stuff would be in there so I wouldn't have to hear it com- people complain about it. That's mainly it. I understand what the, the few lines of dialogue of exposition they don't want to get in, you know, get into to try to over, overly explain everything for people. Like, you know, dark magic or, you know, dark science, cloning, only things the Sith knew. I get it. That makes sense. What does it mean exactly, though? Okay, all right. You know, do we have to get into this? So, I I don't know. I love the I I liked all the stuff that I read and heard about it, but you know, I know some people wanted that in the movie. I I understand. I don't necessarily need it or agree with it, but you know, I understand. But yeah, I it does flesh out a lot. There's one example in here that I think is a really great one that I do not believe should have been in the movie and was a perfect like deep cut to put in the book because it rewards people who are like completionist fans and because it's a very <laughs> I think it's an emotionally satisfying moment which is when um Ray learns that Palpatine like the Force dyad is like 
the light side version of what the rule of two was supposed to be. So Palpatine mm-hmm. tried to create a force dyad with Anakin. And the quote from the book is, the rule of two, a master always in desperate search of a yet more powerful apprentice, was a pale imitation, an unworthy but necessary successor to the older, purer doctrine of the dyad. And I think really cool stuff could be done with the force diet idea. Like oh, I yeah. really want to see more I love characters. That concept, yeah. Yeah. Oh, like give us high Republic Same. characters who are in force diets with each other. And the idea of the rule two being a corruption of that or the dark side version of that is just like mm. super cool, but a I little too wordy and a little too much to be in the movie. So that's one that I think was perfectly suited for the novel. I love that. One thing yeah. that I'm like, People, a lot of people seem to take the idea of the Force Dyad from the movie as like Kylo and Rey being soulmates, where it's very clearly like stated in the movie that it's been there through generations that the Skywalkers and the Palpatines have had this dyad for a long time. Um, which I find interesting the fact that like Vader and Palpatine or Anakin and Palpatine had this, and like Luke and like, all of those people were connected this entire time, and they were always going to be drawn back to each other through the Force. Like, I think that's cool. I think a generational Force dyad is a very cool idea, too. Yeah. Well, I, and I never took not... it as a generational Force dyad, though. I he, said, took... he said it's been unseen through generations. Well, so, well but meaning I was... in general. Like, gen- in general generations of, of, of people. Like, just not just of his their line. No, nah, like, I think he's talking about those lines in particular. Uh, I was under I the impression so. that it could be anyone, that it's yeah. not it's not necessarily romantic and it's not necessarily just Skywalkers and Palpatines, yeah. but they're like the two like most powerful families basically, so it happened to right. manifest. But, I think it well. makes sense that it's it's for all of them kind of. Um like for that particular line, because they do kind of keep coming back together through all of the trilogies. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I never took it that way. Because they because, yeah, I always took the force diet as like a very its own thing. And yeah, that's just me. But they never, you know what? They haven't specific, uh, specifically explained that. So I, you could be right. I have no, I, you could, I have no idea. But I will say, if it, I don't, I like the idea of the Force Dyad. Not it does not necessarily have to be a romantic thing. Even though I do think there was real, there was romantic tension now in retrospect with all three films together between uh, Kylo Ren and Rey. But I think it's also, but I think it happened to be. It's one of those things where they had the natural dyad and then those just the the feelings and stuff like that at the end just came naturally because of their because they, they both understood each other and they didn't know what that meant and that turned into probably something more than you know just average feelings if that makes sense so that's what i took it as i don't think it necessarily always has to be a love dyad necessarily i agree with that completely but I do. I love it. I think it's great, and I think that it only enhanced the relationship. It, it would make sense if two people would fall in love because they were so connected like that. I mean that that's not totally out of the realm of possibility, right? So I've, I mean, but at the same time, yeah, I, I think it's a, one of the great aspects of this uh, sequel trilogy, and I think I gotta give Chris Terry a lot of credit for writing it because it was that they brought that into being. I mean, I think. Ryan Johnson kind of, you know, he did it out of necessity to get these characters together to, to build the tension in his movie, which is honestly a great idea and one of the best things about The Last Jedi. And I love how Chris Terrio kind of put it all together. So, yeah, I would love Force Dyads from like the High Republic, Old Republic, whatever. Give me a, some kind of ancient Force Dyad uh, thing. 
And it doesn't have to be like, you know, again, man and woman. Give me, you know, two men, two women, you know, whatever. You know, give me give me something that's really you know, mythical uh, about it, if you will. So, yeah, I'm all about the Force Day. Anything else about? Mm, let's see. I liked the added Leia parts. Parts of this novel felt like the expanded universe in the same way that that brief scene of Luke and Leia training did. And getting more of that was nice. Yeah. No, totally. Um, other than that, I, uh, I think the novel had flaws. I think the movie had flaws. Um, but I'm not going to sit here being the one that was like... The movie is flawless, Megan. This was dumb for reasons so i want i want to be i want to be enthusiastic and have fun with it so the layer parts were cool there you go so would you say that if you liked the movie you'll probably like the novelization and if you didn't like the movie then the novelization is probably not going to help much yeah and it depends on what you did and didn't like about it um i was a little bit disappointed that they didn't really do anything with the finn and poe relationship but not only like not really gave any quarter to like the shipping them, but also there just like was a weird lack of introspection from them and what I thought were some important scenes. So that was kind of weird. So if that was a thing that you were like unhappy about in the movie, that would be, that would not be solved by reading the novel. But um, if you're interested in like Zori Bliss backstory or in more Leia stuff or in more Rose stuff, Rose is in it a little bit more. There's more about Don Dominic Monaghan's character. So if you liked the movie for any of those reasons or wanted to uh, know more about those, then that's definitely here. Um, it doesn't... It, it, <laughs> If I was going to, like, rank the novelizations, I guess, this would not be in my top three, I think. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Well, I I plan on listening to the audiobook at some point. I've watched the movie a million times already, and I'm planning on watching it a million more because I love this movie to death. Not going to lie. Not going to lie. So uh, I guess we'll uh, we'll kind of wrap up there. Um, I guess next episode. Let's go with our efficient podcasting today. I know we're we're awesome today. Uh, what so what's the next uh, episode going to be about? Do we know? Do we have anything re- being released besides Siege of Mandalore? Right? And yeah, so we got to talk about Siege of Mandalore. Today. We've been waiting Forever. so long yeah. for this. Eighteen so years. Long. Eighteen <laughs> long years. I don't know. Is that actually been eighteen years? No, no it yeah. is not. Okay, at it all. feels like it. It feels. Like, yeah, it feels like it. Yeah, what I'm with Seth. What's the Harry Potter reference? I've been thirteen oh, yeah. years in Azkaban. That's what. Yeah. That's what I was doing. Okay. That's what it feels like, honestly. I, I'm not it's a Harry Potter happening. fan. I don't know. I don't know this stuff. So we don't anyway. have a lot of book releases coming out. Yeah. The next major book release, if it's not delayed, is Shadowfall, which is the Alphabet Squadron sequel on June 23rd. So it really is going to be like TV and comics um, for the okay. foreseeable future. Yes. Yeah, so Megan, tell people where they can find you. Yeah. Um. Well, thanks, guys, for for coming on i'm definitely it's i think because i've been ice like socially distancing it's really nice to be on a podcast and talk to people so yeah and thank you to everyone who's listening i know i'm listening to a ton of podcasts right now because i just want to hear human voices (laughs) like i have yeah i've been trying to live with someone but i want to hear other human voices (laughs) um so yeah so thank you saf were you gonna say something about that 
Yeah, no, I just fully agree. I've been listening to heaps of podcasts um, lately and podcasting with people has been kind of keeping me going. I mean, I'm living with, I live with friends as well, but sometimes you just got to talk to people outside your household when it's been a while, you know? <laughs> yes. So if you want to, you can find my work on StarWars.com, on Star Wars Insider and Den of Geek. Um, I, I'm on Twitter at blog full of words. Um, I think those are all the things. Um, blogfullofwords.blogspot.com is my kind of home base slash resume slash it used to be my blog. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> 2020 um, mood. <laughs> yep, 2020 mood. All right, I'm going to steal it after this now. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Wanderlustin. Um, you can also, I guess, like, play games with me if you want to because I'm playing a lot of games. Um, I'm generally Wanderlustin on, like, all the platforms. We should um, play Destiny together. I know we live in very different time zones, but we should do that. I'm going to have to download it again on my Xbox, but I can do that and we should play it. Because you're on Xbox, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm playing mostly on PC, but there's the whole sharing, like, the shared accounts now so i can jump on xbox and play with you um and you can also find me at patreon.com slash which is where i put most of my writing nowadays um and i also just put up the first two chapters of the novel i'm working on on there so if you're curious about my creative writing that's there cool right on uh you can find me on twitter at herman22 with two n's aka pthug you also find me on a m- number of other podcasts you'll see my profile page but i want to talk about the Comic Binge Podcast. We have a new episode about Adam, the Blue Marvel. Uh, he's a Marvel character that I'm very, very excited to talk about. We talk about him and his probably future involvement in the MCU going forward and also where you can binge more comics about him. So check out that episode. It should be dropping uh, any day now. So yeah, check that out. So uh, everyone from Blaster Cannon, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. everyone thanks for listening i'm sad to report this has been the last episode of blaster cannon we've had a great time making it and hope you'll join us for the next endeavor thanks to den of geek for supporting us so far and may the force be with you hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 